0: continuing our series called Dangerous Prayers, and uh, it was interesting. I didn't know that there was a book by that title, Dangerous Prayers, until we started preaching this series, and then the pastor that wrote the book uh, saw us hashtagging this, sent me a copy of it, and said, hey, I wanted you to have this. I wrote this about praying dangerous prayers, and uh, read it this past week, and it's just full of testimonies of people that had something they needed to pray, and it covered A to Z, and he just... Uh, categorizes and says, hey, here's how they prayed it. Here's what God did. Here's how he showed up, and here's the miracle. And it was full of testimony after testimony. If you're looking for a book uh, to increase your faith, to show you that God answered somebody else's prayer, this is that book. And uh, I love what he said in there. He had this one statement that just jumped out to me, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. He said, every one of us has a dangerous prayer to pray. I believe that. I believe every one of us has a dangerous prayer to pray. And I don't know where you've been in this series, um, if you felt like that was yours already in week one or week three or week five, or, you know, you're still wrecked over week four. I don't know where you're at, but I will tell you this. uh, This dangerous prayer today is uh, one that every single one of us needs to pray, Every one of us should pray. Uh, This is one that covers all of us. And I will tell you this, that when you hear this dangerous prayer, everything within your flesh is going to not want to pray this prayer okay? I know that we, that's kind of been a theme, isn't it? How many know the dangerous prayers are opposed by the flesh? Therefore, they must be good. All right. So this one is going to really be like that, or you're going to want to pray it with conditions. You cannot pray this one with conditions. You have to pray it as is. All right. So just agree before you even hear what it is. You're going to pray it as is. All right. Don't cross your fingers. Nothing. All right. This is for real. Uh, here's, it, here's what it is. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Now, see, your flesh just riled up. Here am I. Send them. Don't do that. All right? Here am I. Send me. And we're going to look at the Old Testament version of this in Isaiah 6. If you have your Bibles, go there. And then we're going to look at the New Testament version which is very similar. And so I want to look at an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. And although it doesn't say, here am I, send me, it's the same exact thought. I believe it's, it's really an Old Testament version and a New Testament version. We'll find the New Testament in, in Matthew 9 as Jesus is speaking. But I want to make this very clear why we need to pray this prayer. We need to pray this prayer, here am I, send me, because we believe as a church, we believe as followers of Jesus Christ, That sin has separated man from God. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. We're all separated from him. And man tries through all sorts of human efforts to try to appease God or appease their conscience and bring peace, but nothing works until they realize that God paid the price, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, that Jesus was sinless and perfect. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And now if you ask him for forgiveness, you can be forgiven of your sins. We believe that as a church. We believe that as Christians. And God's plan is for those that have received that grace. You don't do anything to earn it. You receive the free gift of God. His plan is for those of us that have received it to go into the world and share it with other people. We are supposed to tell them, they need to hear the same good news that you heard they need to know this. And the Bible says they, they can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. But how can they call on the name of the Lord if nobody preaches, if nobody brings it to them, if nobody talks, if nobody opens up their mouth, they're going to be lost. And so we've got to say, here am I, send me. And don't let the term preaching scare you away either. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Here am I, send Pastor Rob. No, you are a preacher. You can share the good news. When you're sharing the good news, when you're sharing what God has done in your life, you are preaching the message of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have three points to it. It doesn't have a nice closing there, but it's your testimony and you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're called to be a preacher. So don't shy away from this. This is why we need to pray. Here am I, send me, because people need to hear. Now in Isaiah, we pick this up, Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah, it says in verse one, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted and seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah speaking. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So that's the account of Isaiah. He's in the presence of God. We'll break this down in just a minute, but I want to read from Matthew, and so you can see the New Testament version that's kind of similar and has that same implication Here am I, send me. God needs to send someone. In Matthew chapter 9, it says in verse 35 Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So let's start with Isaiah here, this dangerous prayer. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Isaiah's had a vision. He's in heaven. He's with God. And the holiness and the awe of all that's going on, the seraphim, he's never seen anything like this. I can't wait to see these creatures. And and Isaiah's just overwhelmed. And in that moment, he falls on his face because he realizes this is way beyond anything I've ever seen. I'm filthy, I'm undone. I, I, I don't deserve to be here. This scares me. It's so amazing that it puts me in awe. And, and God is in this moment, just he's strategizing. He's trying to think who will go and who will be sent for me and who can do this? And, I, and God asks for a volunteer. And Isaiah's like, here am I, send me. But before he... He volunteers for it. He's realizing, I am not qualified. I am not qualified. I am not a good person. And maybe you've thought that. Maybe when you hear, here am I, send me, and you hear me saying like, come on, we got to pray this prayer together. You're thinking, I I am not qualified. I am not, I'm not good enough. Matter of fact, I don't do well. Um, I'm like Isaiah. I'm not very pure and holy. Matter of fact, my family is worse than me. Isaiah saying, I, I hang around with a bunch of unclean people. I can't do it. The people are unclean. I'm undone. I am not qualified. And I want to tell you this. If you are thinking that, you are in the right spot. No excuses. You're like, man, I thought that would get me out. Uh-uh, that got you right to the spot God needs you. Okay? Because here's the thing. Every time God calls someone in the Bible, there's a pattern here. God calls them to do something, and they're like, I don't think I'm qualified. And God's like, I know who I'm calling, and I'm doing the work anyways. He calls Moses. Moses like, I stutter, stutter. I can't, you know, take my, somebody in. God's like, I'm picking you. Jeremiah, he's like, I am too young. Do you know that I'm not old enough to drive? I'm too young. And God's like, I picked you. Don't tell me how old you are. Don't tell me what the qualification is. I'm putting my words in your mouth. You're not too young. I mean, think about this, Isaiah, I'm unclean. God's like, I'm gonna take care of that problem. I'm getting you exactly where I want you. So if you thought that excuse of I'm not qualified was gonna get you out of this, that got you right where God wants you. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul says that's really where God wants you. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, he says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when God called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God's like, your very excuse is the reason I picked you. You're like, man, all right. Does he know that I have gluten issues? You know, like, (laughs) does he wear that? You know, he knows, all right. It's no good. It's okay if you start with an excuse, but you can't stay in your excuse. And no one stays in the excuse, but it's okay. You think, oh, but I'm afraid. You know what? Face your fear and realize greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Okay, something I've learned in life, pretty much everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid. And then once they get over that fear and they get to the next level, all of a sudden the peace of God comes on them and what they were afraid of becomes their new normal. And then God calls them to another level and they're afraid of that level, but they realize God's been faithful over there and they go to the next level. That's not an excuse that you're afraid it's not an excuse that you're undone. It's not an excuse that you're young or you don't feel qualified. So you can start with the excuse, but don't stay in the excuse. Now, a couple of things I noticed that are going on in heaven that I think will help us to have a greater desire to be sent, a greater desire to be sent. The first of these is worship. And one of the reasons why we're so strong about worship, worshiping God with your time, your treasure, your talents, worshiping God with praise and worship. And you'll notice that our church doesn't take our praise and worship time lightly. I am all in when I'm worshiping. Sometimes I I do have to admit that I have to lip sync to hold my voice, but man, I am in on this. Man, I am like going for it. I am singing. I'm excited. I want to worship God with everything I've got. I am going after this and I cannot tolerate a church that's just halfway worshiping God. I mean, we're not gonna go halfway. We're gonna give. We're gonna serve. We're gonna praise. We're gonna do this. And, And again, let's just take that element of praise and worship. The reason why this environment here is so strong with praise and worship is because I think an environment of worship fuels missions. Matter of fact, I put this out on Twitter not that long ago. I said, great worship fuels missions. Missions fuels generosity. generosity, generosity empowers the church, and great churches can change the world. And so I think when we have an atmosphere of worship, that is, it's actually fueling the mission of God. And so when the presence of God comes into our worship service and you feel the presence of God in a stronger way, and some of you are new to this and you're like, I don't know what I felt, I felt something. That's the presence of God. We are very much enjoying the presence of God in our worship time. And I'm telling you what, that fuels missions forward. Now, if that fuels missions forward, let me just challenge you for a moment. What if you coming late to worship actually hinders missions? What if you, being half-interested, tweeting and texting during worship and sitting around and wondering where we're going to eat and just half-interested in it, not worried about the praise of God, not entering. What if you're hindering missions? What if you're draining the missions tank at River Valley? I don't want you to be part of that. I want you to be part of filling the missions tank, changing the environment and the atmosphere so it's a place where missions is brought up because as they're worshiping God, there's an atmosphere of worship. Holy, holy, the heavens are being sh- just shook. It says the doorpost. I mean, that's loud volume for those of you that complain. That is loud, and it's it, the presence of God is there, and worship is going forward, and all of a sudden missions is being filled. There's a desire to be sent in the presence of missions, in the presence of worship. So let's raise our worship. Let's be senders. And some of you might be asking, like, "Why are you raising your hand?" I am sending missionaries. I am sending missionaries. I'm I'm raising the environment here. All right. Another thing that I see, there's, there's holiness going on. There's holiness. It's holy in the presence of God, and holiness fuels missions work. Okay? Now, there's probably a, a very strong connection as to why the church is going down in missions and looking more like the world. Okay, holiness, holiness, when you start to say, I want to be more like God, I want to be less like the world, I want to have less sin and more of God in my life. When you start pursuing holiness, you start to see the sinfulness of man. And instead of getting judgmental and lifting your nose at them, you start to weep for the people in sin. You start to have a burden for the people trapped in this world and trapped in the sins of this world. But when the church is worldly It starts to get entertained by the people living in sin. When we start getting worldly, when we lose holiness and and we have to keep holiness in the church, we have to pursue holiness and be more like God. And it's a beautiful thing. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We pursue holiness. Holiness will fuel missions because we'll see the gap that is building. We'll see the lostness of man. And I'm concerned that the church is entertained by sinners and not burdened by them. It's a sad thing if we can see celebrities living a train wreck of a life and want to buy the product they're peddling instead of being heartbroken at the sin and heartbroken at the train wreck of a life and heartbroken by this and saying, God, help us to reach this world, not be entertained by the sin. So worship and holiness just fuel this forward and it causes us to say, God, here am I, send me. I want to have an atmosphere of worship. I want to be in an atmosphere of holiness. And from that, God, I want you to send me, send me, send me. Now, an interesting thought, I didn't see this till I, you know, again, I'm reading commentaries and reading sermons and prepping for the sermon. And, and I have a whole new concept about the throne room of God. Okay, I understand that in the throne room of God right now, there's worship going on, and there's there's things that will blow our mind. But there's another thing going on according to this text and according to all that we see. See the throne room of God as command central. See it as command central. It is daytime right now, while God can still get the word out to people, and He's looking around going, Who's going to Afghanistan? Send, who will go for me to Afghanistan? Who's going? Holy Spirit, stir the church. We gotta get to Afghanistan. It's command central because he's like, who will go and deliver the message? And Isaiah's like, send me. See, God is on mission right now. The Holy Spirit is moving throughout the earth, and God is involved in all this going on. This is where I need something going on. I need somebody over there, and who will go, and who will answer the call? It's command central. There's worship going on, but there's strategy going on. There is outreach going on. It is time to bring the message to the world, and it's a whole new concept for me. It it heightens our awareness to say, God, what mission do you have for me to go on? What do you have? Here am I, send me. If it's command central for Isaiah, then it's command central for me. Here am I, send me. It's an amazing thing. Isaiah says, um, Here am I, send me. Do you know his message was to go to preach to a people that God said, they're not going to repent. They're not going to change their mind, but I want them to know that they have no excuse. Who's going to go and preach to people that are going to have no excuse? Isaiah's like, Here am I, send me. And God's right now saying, hey, who will go to your neighbor who's desperate for the gospel, who would probably come to church with you if you invited them, who's crying out, looking for hope, and he's saying, who will go? And we're like, ooh, that's risky. I don't know. Isaiah's like, I'll go to the people that are going to be angry, and I'll go with no results. No results. Send me. And God's saying, guess what? You can go into a neighborhood or a school or a workplace where people are friendly. Wow, here am I, send me. When we pray it today, here's what's gonna happen. When we pray this prayer today and this week, remember that's our focus, to pray this prayer, I believe that God's gonna immediately start to send you to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace. I mean immediately, immediately. He's like, okay, now, now that you've prayed this, let me explain to you why you got the job at Target. You're not that good, but I got you in there. (laughs) All right, here's why. I want you to reach that person. All right, here am I, send me. You know why you're at that school? Not because they have a great hockey program. You are there because I have put you there as an ambassador to that school. And he's going to start telling you why you're where you are and how he has uniquely gifted you. And that's why he gifts us all differently so he can get us all over the place. And he's like, all right, I'm going to send you. He's going to send you local first. You're going to do the local stuff first. And he's going to start you with that. Another thing that's going to happen He's going to open up your eyes to your resources, and he's going to say, start leveraging your resources to go. Start leveraging your resources to send somebody. And if I could say this, thank you for all the people in our church that are so generous that allow us to support over 200 missionaries. Add 21 missionaries last month. In one moment, 21 missionaries, over $100 a month. Boom, that's going on. Thousands being sent to Iraq because people are generous. Thank God, because when you start saying, here am I, send me, God says, all right, go Local. Now send a little bit of you with your money. Watch this. I'm going to send your money all around the world and it's going to be a part of you because when you work, you exchange it for money and then you take the money, you bring it to church, and we send it around the world. And God's like, look at that. I'm sending you all over the place. He says, I'm going to use you in a bivocational way. If you start praying this prayer, you're thinking, yeah, but what if he calls me to be a pastor or a missionary, full timer? He's going to use you in a bivocational way. And if I could break for just a moment on Pastor Lindsay, for years, she gave her services to the church for nothing. Volunteered as a pastor for like 20 hours a week and said, I can support myself. Now she's part-time with the church and part-time with her company. I'm praying right now that there'll be hundreds of people that will say that, I've, that would say, I have the means to do this. I will give, I will volunteer. Here am I, send me. I don't need a dollar, I'm going. I'm praying for people that, On the second half of their life, maybe you worked your first half and you've accumulated wealth. And the second half, you can use that for the glory of God and take your skill set for the kingdom of God. I'm praying for people that instead of being retired and they say, send me to Miami, you say, send me to Morocco. That's what I'm praying. And God's saying, I can use that within my kingdom If you pray that prayer, here am I, send me, I guarantee you God will start to stir on your heart to go on a global team. We have 25 global teams next year. I guarantee you God will stir on your heart. Here's the team I want you to go on. And your flesh will say, no, not there. (laughs) But you know what? Overcome your flesh. Your flesh fights against dangerous prayers. And we've learned that by now. Let's listen to what the Spirit of God's saying. You will join. You could join a life group like Missionary Talk or Missionary Call. These are things that will start to happen. You could start an internship and be a part of our internship program at River Valley. You could go through the credentialing process. Many people in our church are going through global university to be creden- credentialed as ministers because they said, here am I, send me. And many are going. Matter of fact, within the next few months, uh, we are sending three couples around the world as missionaries from our body, raised up from here, that we're getting ready to send out. That's all part of the process. And if you feel a call to go, you have said, here am I, send me. And God starts pushing you. You talk to your campus pastor. They're prepared to talk to you. They are prepared to help and disciple you and get you on this road. It's important to just remember, here am I, send me comes with no conditions. You can't say, here am I. Send me to a warm place. Here am I. Send me to a place where they don't eat people. Here am I. You just pray it. I'm serious. You just pray it. And um, you're not really praying this prayer until you pray it all the way. Here am I. Send me. Send me wherever. And um, I get so excited about it. um, Sometimes I, I start to like pray it and anticipate it. And Becca, it's a good thing she balances me out. Um, we were in Dubai and I was like, what if God's calling us to Dubai? We were on a walk and we were doing one of our little four-mile walks that day. I said, what if he's calling us to start a campus here and, and, and leave everything in Minnesota and start a church in Dubai? And she goes, he's not. <laughs> I was like, well, how do you know? You know? And she's like, I could just tell that that didn't sound like a spirit-led thing. I think you're falling in love with Dubai a little too much. I was like, Okay, let's put a campus here. All right, so. But I'm telling you, you're you're, you're not praying it until you pray it with no conditions. Here am I, send me. Send me to the tough spot. Send me wherever you think. Wherever you see that I could be best in your service, send me. Second scripture, Matthew 9. He's saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And here's something that I think is absolutely amazing. This is the Lord's prayer request that you get to pray with him and be the answer to the prayer request. Think about that. Think, if Jesus was here and you're like, hey, Jesus, is there anything that you want us to pray about? Yes. What is it? I want you to pray that workers would be sent out in the harvest field. Okay, let's come to agree. Hey, how about me? How about if I, think about that. You get to pray it and be an answer to the very prayer that Jesus said for us to pray. Jesus is moved with compassion, and I'm telling you, we should be praying, God, increase our compassion so we look more like you. And he said, the harvest is everywhere. It's ripe, it's ready, it's ready, it's ready, it's ready, it's all around you. Go, 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 go. And if you're wondering where to go, I wanna put this map up for all of our campuses to see. Go ahead and put the map up here. If you look at this, wherever it's red, that's where the people of this world live. Wherever it's orange, again, and wherever it's white, not a lot of people. So those of you praying for a call to Australia, stop. Okay? Greenland, it's off the map. Don't worry. We're good. But look there. You can see India. You can see China. You can see Africa. You can see a whole part that's red hot. And you know what? People are right now saying, not there, Lord. Ebola not there. No, don't send me there. And you look at other red areas, you say, no, those aren't good areas. But wherever it's red, I'm telling you right now, we should start praying for wherever it's red. We should start saying, God, here am I, send me, here am I, send me to a red spot. You know, I've been reading a lot of Spurgeon sermons this year and just enjoying it like crazy. And he had an illustration. He said, what if You could see a map similar to that one that we just saw. What if God elevated you out so you could see the whole world? And instead of being red with population, what if it was green with the grace of God? And what if you could see where it was green and where it was black? You know what I'm thinking right now? If we could see the world where it was green and where it was black, America would look like a giant party of green there'd be regions of the world that wouldn't even look like they had a glow stick going on with the grace of God. And if you want to know where we should go, we should go where it's hard, where it's dark. And if we could get a glimpse where the grace of God is and where the grace of God isn't, we would say, God, send us where there isn't the grace, where the grace isn't known. Send us where it's hard, where it's tough, where there's little glow sticks of grace. Help us to bring grace there in a greater measure. You're saying, here am I, send me. The harvest is ready. Now, here's the amazing thing that I think about this. God says the harvest will be brought in, get this, according to the laborers. Now, I, people say, well, is it works? Is it grace? Is it? There's something here that he's saying the amount of people going will equal or will determine how many people are coming in. It's right there. He said, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers to bring in forth this. So he's saying, I'm partnering with you. And he doesn't say, hey, pray that for every one that goes, they'll do the work of 10 men or women. He doesn't say that. He says, there's a lot of work to be done. There's not enough people. We need more people. Pray that more people get involved and we'll go and do this. The laborers are few. I need more laborers. We've got to go and be out there. He works in proportion with you and I being involved. That's a heavy responsibility. That's a very heavy responsibility. And he says, pray that God would send forth laborers. And just so you know, I want you to understand, the term send forth is not a nice term. Okay, when it says pray that he'd send forth laborers, it means like kick them in the rear end and get them out. That's what he's saying. Pray that God will kick people out of their comfort. Pray that God will push people out the door to where they need to go. And I want you to know it's, it's used with such intensity, it's actually used in the Bible in the, in the same way where demons are cast out of people. Now, I'm not saying laborers are demon-possessed, okay? Just want to be clear. But with the same intensity that somebody would say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of him, that Jesus is saying that he could. we'd be praying, God, in the name of Jesus, send people to Iraq. In the name of Jesus, go to Japan. In the name of Jesus, Vietnam. Start praying for it right now. You see what I'm saying? With that intensity. I don't think we pray like that as a church. We're like, Lord, if you could, if you send any laborers, we go out there. We should be praying, God, Vietnam, India, China, red countries, God, hard places, dark places, we ought to be praying. God, command someone out of our body to go to Iraq. Think about that. We don't pray like that. We pray, Lord, if you could use this in the high school or the marketplace. Lord, he's saying pray like that. Pray with that intensity that he would send them, send them out into the harvest field. Wow, wow that's intense. And here's the reason why I don't think we have more missionaries. And here's what we want to change with this series and with this dangerous prayer. I don't think we have a lot of missionaries because we don't pray for the harvest at all. We don't pray for the red countries. We don't pray for the red countries. We don't pray for enough of them. We are terribly illiterate of where the nations of the world are and where the need is. We, are, we, we don't go on global teams. We don't pray for the need. We don't pray over what we can give and where we could go. We don't pray for the lost. And if we would start praying for the lost, I believe as we start praying for the lost, it will raise our missions giving. It will raise our missions sending. It will raise our missions going. We need to pray. That's where he said it starts because I think this, when you start to pray for something, you start to fall in love with that. You just do. You just do. You start praying for a country, you will start loving that. You will hear this. You will, you will see it all around you. So choose a good red country and start praying. Go for it. You watch what happens. And I think we need to pray more. We need to pray more. We need to pray more. And as we pray for the world, as we pray for the lost, as we pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, as we realize people are lost and need Jesus, and we start praying more, our missions giving is going up, our sending is, our going, it's all going up. And I wanna let you in on one dangerous prayer that was prayed on your behalf that you're part of. And the prayer has already been prayed and it's continued to be prayed for by our pastors. We continue to pray for it as elders. We continue to pray for our church and it's a prayer to raise up missionaries. And I want these guys to help me out. Not that long ago, I was in Egypt and I had the opportunity to be at the grave of William Borden. And while I was at the grave of William Borden, you may not know this, but William Borden was a young man that was going to be the heir of the Borden uh, fortune, Borden Sweetened Condensed Milk. We have this board up here. Thanks, guys. This is a picture of William. Borden Sweetened Condensed Milk, and that's an old label from years and years and years ago. But he was set to be an heir and to receive this, and God called him into ministry. And after graduating from Yale, he said, I'm going to be a missionary. His family wrote him off. They said, no way. You're not going to do that. We stand against this. He went to Egypt, and he died not long after he got there. It was only a few months, short time. He, he got spinal meningitis, and he, and he died, and it was very tragic. But they found this when they sent his Bible back to his family. They found the words, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. And he said, I do this with no reserves. I am not retreating. I have no regrets. I am going to go and be a missionary. I am going to answer the call. Here am I. Send me. He could have said, I'm Yale. He could have said, I have wealth. I have all this, all these other things. And he didn't. And incidentally, if you find yourself in that position, God could use your wealth. God could use your Yale, your Princeton, your Harvard, your CEO to open a door to get you into a country other people can't go into. That's no excuse. But he said this, and he died and passed away. Well, we're in Egypt, and we're going to pray for all the people. And I want you to know that I've been praying for 100 missionaries from our church to be sent out. I thought that was a giant goal. I thought that was a giant goal to have 100 missionaries sent out. And while we were there at his grave, and we're getting ready to pray for 100 missionaries, these two caretakers in Cairo, Egypt, that were taking care of the grave, came over, and they were very angry. I said, what are they angry about? They said, well, some Christians were here not that long ago, and they told us to repair his grave, and they never paid the bill. It was $500. His grave was in total disrepair, and we've done this, be- and it looked beautiful. It looked absolutely beautiful, his grave area. And I said, well, it was how much? They said, it was $500, and they never paid us. I said, River Valley will pay the $500. Christians are good for their word. We're going to pay that $500. So I got $500 out, and, and I gave it to them and uh, paid the bill. And they said, hang on. And they came back with this icon here. And they said, this was between his casket and the concrete. This was laid on his casket. And when we did all the repairs to it, we took this out. And we want to give you this because you paid the bill. So I brought this back to the United States, and I had it validated by an antiques collector. I didn't tell him where it was from or what it was, and he said, boy, it looks like that Egypt region. He said, the nails in it are about 100 years old, which is exactly, he died 100 years from when I was given this. And he said, so I would estimate it that's 100 years old. It's authentic. He said, that's not dirt on there, actually. That's a form of art that they put on this picture. And, he, and I told him the story. He said, yeah. He said, I believe that's authentic. And so they gave it to us. Well, in that moment, here's where I'm going with the story. The missionary we were with, he said, I want to pray for one missionary for every dollar. I want 500 missionaries out of River Valley. And I said, well, I, I had big faith at 100. And he said, I want 500. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's do this. And so we started to pray for 500. Here am I, send me missionaries. And we made this qualification that you'd spend at least one year on the mission field, away from your home, away from your family, wherever God would call you, whether that's uh, to Mexico or, or Afghanistan or wherever with Youth with a Mission or with the Assemblies of God or with some other agency, we just said 500 is what we want. And we agreed in prayer for that, one for every dollar. And so when you wonder, why do they want another campus? Why do they want to keep growing? Why do they want to do Kingdom Builders? Because we have to have a big church to send 500 missionaries out. Okay? And there's already been a prayer prayed. Here am I, send me, and that could be for you. That could be for you. So I want to close in prayer and do this. I want here and in all of our campuses, I want us to do this. I want you to place a a hand on yourself and a hand towards the church. And I want you to pray this, Here am I, send me. But you're agreeing for you. You may be called to be local missionary to your high school, to your marketplace. You may be called to go. You may be called to the hardest place on the planet. We don't know. But you're saying, God, here am I, send me. But God, here am I, send me, send my kids, send my relatives, send us, send us to the world. Send us to the world. Let's believe for 500. So Lord, what a giant prayer. What a giant prayer that is. And I overcome doubt in Jesus' name, realizing that we could do that. We could do that. We could see 500 people sent out from this church, men, women, and children, counting every one of them and sending them around the world and raising millions and millions of dollars. We can do that in your strength and in your grace. And we could say right now, here am I, send me. If you say high school, it's high school. If you say marketplace, it's marketplace. We all have a neighborhood, so we know that's a given. Lord, but we say, here am I, send me. One year, two years, 10 years, whatever the case may be. Here am I, send me. And as a church, we commit to leveraging our resources, to leveraging what we have, to building our campuses, to building bigger campuses and more campuses and doing whatever we can to raise up a church that could fulfill that because it's already been prayed. We've already started to agree with it. And we thank you, God, at a place where someone said, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. We prayed that we would send people into all the world and you could say, here am I, send me. We could say, here am I, send me. So God, here and at all of our campuses, we come into agreement as the body of Christ, we will send others and we will volunteer ourselves. Here am I, send me. It's a dangerous prayer, but we pray it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.